Good afternoon and welcome to Thrilling Tales. This is Lois Cianell, your storyteller and director of Eastlake Community Library. To Serve Man is a science fiction short story by Damon Knight. It is told from the point of view of a translator working at the United Nations as he narrates the story of the Kanemit, a race of aliens that seem to radiate goodwill, friendship, and plentiful gifts. The story first appeared in the November 1950 issue of Galaxy Science Fiction and has been reprinted a number of times. However, it was made widely popular by its 1962 television dramatization as an episode of The Twilight Zone. And now, to serve man. The Kanemit were not very pretty, it's true. They look something like pigs and something like people, and that is not a very attractive combination. Seeing them for the first time shocked you. That was their handicap. When a thing with the countenance of a fiend comes from the stars and offers a gift, you are disinclined to accept. I don't know what we expected interstellar visitors to look like. Those who thought about it at all, that is. Angels, perhaps, or something too alien to be really awful. Maybe that's why we were all so horrified and repelled when they landed in their great ships and we saw what they really looked like. The Kanemit were short and very hairy, thick, bristly, brown-gray hair all over their abominably plump bodies. Their noses were snout-like and their eyes small, and they had thick hands of three fingers each. They wore green leather harnesses and green shorts, but I think the shorts were a concession to our notions of public decency. The garments were quite modishly cut, with slash pockets and half belts in the back. The Kanemid had a sense of humor, anyhow. There were three of them at this session of the UN, and Lord, I can't tell you how queer it looked to see them there in the middle of a solemn session. Three fat pig-like creatures in green harnesses and shorts, sitting at the long table below the podium, surrounded by the packed arcs of delegates from every nation. They sat correctly, upright, politely watching each speaker. Their flat ears drooped over the earphones. Later on, I believe, they learned every human language, but at this time they knew only French and English. They seemed perfectly at ease, and that, along with their humor, was a thing that tended to make me like them. I was in the minority. I didn't think they were trying to put anything over. The delegate from Argentina got up and said that his government was interested in the demonstration of a new chief power source, which the Kahneman had made at the previous session, but that the Argentine government could not commit itself as to its future policy without a much more thorough examination. It was what all the delegates were saying, but I had to pay particular attention to Senor Valdez because he tended to sputter and his diction was bad. I got through the translation all right with only one or two momentary hesitations and then switched to the Polish-English line to hear how Grigori was doing with Jankowitz. Jankowitz was the cross Grigori had to bear, just as Valdez was mine. Jankowitz repeated the previous remarks with a few ideological variations, and then the Secretary General recognized the delegate from France, who introduced Dr. Denis Lavec, the criminologist, and great deal of complicated equipment was wheeled in. Dr. Levesque remarked that the question in many people's minds had been aptly expressed by the delegate from the USSR, 
at the preceding session when he demanded, what is the motive of the Kanemet? What is their purpose in offering us these unprecedented gifts while asking nothing in return? The doctor then said, at the request of several delegates and with the full consent of our guests, the Kanemet, my associates and I have made a series of tests upon the Kanemet with the equipment which you see before you. These tests will now be repeated. A murmur ran through the chamber. There was a fusillade of flashbulbs, and one of the TV cameras moved up to focus on the instrument board of the doctor's equipment. At the same time, the huge television screen behind the podium lit up, and we saw the blank faces of two dials, each with its pointer resting at zero, and a strip of paper tape with a stylus point resting against it. In the screen, we saw the paper tape began to move while the stylus traced a slow zigzag pattern along it. One of the needles began to jump rhythmically. The other flipped halfway over and stayed there, wavering slightly. These are the standard instruments for testing the truth of a statement, said Dr. Levesque. Our first object, since the physiology of the Kahneman is unknown to us, was to determine whether or not they react to these tests as humans do. We will now repeat one of the experiments which was made in the endeavor to discover this. He pointed to the first dial. This instrument registers the subject's heartbeat. This shows the electrical conductivity of the skin in the palm of his hand, a measure of perspiration, which certainly increases under stress. And this, pointing to the tape and stylus device, shows the pattern and intensity of the electrical waves emanating from his brain. It has been shown with human subjects that all these readings vary markedly depending on whether the subject is speaking the truth. He picked up two large pieces of cardboard, one red, one black. The red one was a square, about three feet on each side. The black was a rectangle, three and a half feet long. He addressed himself to the canema. Which of these is longer than the other? The red, said the canema. Both needles leaped wildly, and so did the line on the unrolling tape. I shall repeat the question, said the doctor. Which of these is longer than the other? The black, said the creature. This time, the instruments continued in their normal rhythm. How did you come to this planet? asked the doctor. Walked, replied the canema. Again, the instruments responded, and there was a subdued ripple of laughter in the chamber. Once more, said the doctor, how did you come to this planet? In a spaceship, said the Kanema, and the instruments did not jump. The doctor again faced the delegation. Many such experiments were made, he said, and my colleagues and myself are satisfied that the mechanisms are effective. Now, he turned to the Kanema, I shall ask our distinguished guest to reply to the question put at the last session by the delegate of the USSR. Namely, what is the motive of the Kahneman people in offering these great gifts to people of Earth? The Kahneman rose. Speaking this time in English, he said, On my planet, there is a saying, there are more riddles in a stone than in a philosopher's head. The motives of intelligent beings, though they may at time appear obscure, are simply things compared to the complex workings of the natural universe. Therefore, I hope that the people of Earth will understand and believe when I tell you that our mission upon your planet is simply this, 
to bring you the peace and plenty which we ourselves enjoy and which we have in the past brought to other races through the galaxy. When your world has no more hunger, no more war, no more needless suffering, that will be our reward. And the needles had not jumped once. The delegate from the Ukraine jumps to his feet, asking to be recognized. But the same, but the time was up when the Secretary General closed the session. I met Grigori as we were leaving the chamber. His face was red with excitement. Who promoted that circus, he demanded. All the tests look genuine to me, I told him. A circus, he said vehemently, a second-rated farce. If they were genuine, Peter, why was debate stifled? There'll be time for debate tomorrow, surely. Tomorrow, the doctor and his instruments will be back in Paris. Plenty of things can happen before tomorrow. In the name of sanity, man, how can you trust a thing that looks as if it ate a baby? I was a little annoyed. I said, are you sure you're not more worried about their politics than their appearance? He said, bah, and went away. The next day, reports began to come in from government laboratories all over the world where the Kanemitz power source was being tested. They were wildly enthusiastic. I don't understand such things myself, but it seemed that those little metal boxes would give more electrical power than an atomic pile for next to nothing and nearly forever. And it was said that they were so cheap to manufacture that everybody in the world could have one of their own. In the early afternoon, there were reports that 17 countries had already begun to set up factories to turn them out. The next day, the Kanemit turned up with plans and specimens of a gadget that would increase the fertility of an arable land by 60 to 100 percent. It speeded the formation of nitrates in the soil or something. There was nothing in the newscasts anymore but stories about the Kanemit. The day after that, they dropped their bombshell. You now have potentially unlimited power and increased food supply, said one of them. He pointed with his three-fingered hand to an instrument that stood on the table before him. It was a box on a tripod with a parabolic reflector on the front of it. We offer you today a third gift, which is at least as important as the first two. He beckoned to the TV men to roll their cameras into the close-up position. Then he picked up a large screen of cardboard covered with drawings and English lettering. We saw it on the large screen above the podium. It was clearly legible. We are informed that this broadcast is being relayed throughout your world, said the Kanama. I wish that everyone who has equipment for taking photographs from television screens would use it now. The Secretary General leaned forward and asked a question sharply, but the Kanama ignored him. This device, he said, generates a field in which no explosive of whatever nature can detonate. There was uncomprehending silence. The Kanama said it cannot be suppressed. If one nation has it, all must have it. When nobody seemed to understand, he explained bluntly, there will be no more war. That was the biggest news of the millennium. And it was perfectly true. It turned out that the explosions that Kanemo was talking about even included gasoline and diesel explosions. They had simply made it impossible for anybody to mount or equip a modern army. We could have gone back to bows and arrows, of course, but that wouldn't have satisfied the military. Besides, there wouldn't be any reason to make war. 
every nation would soon have everything. Nobody ever gave another thought to those lie detector experiments or asked the Kahneman what their politics were. Grigori was put out. He had nothing to prove his suspicions. I quit my job at the UN a few months later because I foresaw that it was going to die under me anyhow. UN business was booming at the time, but after a year or so, there was going to be nothing for it to do. Every nation on earth was well on the way to being completely self-supporting, and they weren't going to need much arbitration. I accepted a position as translator with the Kahneman Embassy, and it was there that I ran into Grigori again. I was glad to see him, but I couldn't imagine what he was doing there. I thought you were on the opposition, I said. Don't tell me you're convinced the Kahneman are all right. He looked rather shamefaced. They're not what they look anyhow, he said. It was as much of a concession as he could decently make, and I invited him down to the embassy lounge for a drink. It was an intimate kind of place, and he grew confidential over the second daiquiri. They fascinate me, he said. I hate them instinctively. That hasn't changed, but I, I can evaluate it. You were right, obviously. They mean us nothing but good. But, but do you know, he leaned across the table. The question of the Soviet delegate was never answered. I'm afraid I snorted. No, really, he said. They told us what they wanted to do, to bring to you the peace and plenty which we ourselves enjoy. But they didn't say why. Why do missionaries? Missionaries be damned, he said angrily. Missionaries have a religious motive. If these creatures have a religion, they haven't once mentioned it. What's more, they didn't send a missionary group. They sent a diplomatic delegation, a group representing the will and policy of their whole people. Now, just what have the Kahneman as a people or a nation got to gain from our welfare? Cultural? Oh, cultural cabbage patch. No, it's something less obvious than that. Something obscure that belongs to their psychology and not to ours. In, in one way or another, they have something to gain. And that's why you're here, I said, to try to find out what it is. Correct. I wanted to get on one of the 10-year exchange groups to their home planet, but I couldn't. The quota was filled a week after they made the announcement. This is the next best thing. I'm studying their language, and you know that language reflects the basic assumptions of the people who use it. I've got a fair command of the spoken lingo already. It, it's not hard, really. And there are hints in it. Some of the idioms are quite similar to English. I'm sure I'll get the answer eventually. More power to you, I said, and we went back to work. I saw Gregory frequently from then on, and he kept me posted about his progress. He was highly excited about a month after the first meeting. He said he'd got hold of a book of the Kahnemans and was trying to puzzle it out. They wrote in ideographs, worse than Chinese, but he was determined to fathom it if it took him years. He wanted my help. Well, I was interested in spite of myself, for I knew it would be a long job. We spent some evenings together together working with material from Kahneman bulletin boards and so forth, and with the extremely limited English Kahneman dictionary they issued to the staff. My conscience bothered me about the stolen book, but gradually I became absorbed by the problem. Languages, after all, are my field. I couldn't help being fascinated. We got the title worked out in a few weeks. It was How to Serve Man, evidently a handbook they were giving out to new Kahneman members of the embassy staff. They had new ones in all the time now, a shipload about once a month. They were opening all kinds of research laboratories, clinics, and so on. 
If there was anybody on earth beside Grigori who still distrusted those people, he must have been somewhere in the middle of Tibet. It was astonishing to see the changes that had been wrought in less than a year. There were no more standing armies, no more shortages, no unemployment. When you picked up a newspaper, you didn't see H-bomb or satellite leaping out at you. The news was always good. It was a hard thing to get used to. The Kanemit were working on human biochemistry, and it was known about the embassy that they were ready to announce methods of making our race taller and stronger and healthier, practically a race of supermen, and they had a potential cure for heart disease and cancer. I didn't see Grigori for a fortnight after we finished working out the title of the book. I was on a long overdue vacation to Canada. When I got back, I was shocked by the change in his appearance. What on earth is wrong with you, Grigori, I asked. You look like the very devil. Come down to the lounge. I went with him and he gulped a stiff scotch as if he needed it. Come on, man, what's the matter, I urged. The Kahneman have put me on the passenger list for the next exchange ship, he said. You too, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you. Well, I said, but they're not altruists. I tried to reason with him. I pointed out that they'd made Earth a paradise compared to what it was before. He only shook his head. Then I said, well, what about those lie detector tests? A farce, he replied, without heat. I said so at the time, you fool. They told the truth, though, as far as it went. And the book, I demanded, annoyed. What about that? How to serve man? That wasn't put there for you to read. They mean it. How do you explain that? I've read the first paragraph of that book, he said. Why do you suppose I haven't slept for a week? I said, well, he smiled, a curious, twisted smile. It's a cookbook, he said.